I had the, all of that at the age of 18. Oh, my God. Job security and financial security. So I actually <laughs> felt so accomplished. And I was like, wow, I'm set. Yeah. I'm ready to climb the corporate ladder. Yay. <laughs> I found myself, despite at the age of 18, I had what I thought was everything. All of a sudden, I found myself unemployed. Oh at 22, I had a failed business against my name. And I lost all the money I had earned at that point. Oh. And it was in the middle of the global financial crisis, so I couldn't get another job. I grew up with this mentality, and it's so unhealthy, that I would, if I knew I, was, I could fail, I wouldn't try. And that's what I love. It's such an exciting time. I'm like getting excited talking about this, just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, me too. You don't have to do things a certain way. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Holloway, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. Hello, beautiful people. I hope you enjoyed last week's double drop of episodes. I wish I could do that every week, release two at a time. It'd be so much fun. <laughs> this week has been a beautiful celebration of women for International Women's Day yesterday. And I'm not sure if it's just me, but I kind of feel like it's been one of the biggest we've ever had. So much love going around, outpourings of affection and thanks and admiration and inspiration for each other. So many campaigns. It's been really, really amazing. So today I'm celebrating one amazing woman among the many around me that I'm so lucky to call friends or role models. And this one is doing incredible things for other women supporting each other and is also a female founder and CEO herself. Some of you may know her as the lazy CEO, but her name is Jane Liu and she's the founder of booming fashion business Shopo. You'll hear all about her going from accounting to a first failed business to now a multi-million dollar eight and a half year old empire with a string of incredible awards, too many to list, to acknowledge their game-changing success. She's also founded an amazing women's networking group, of which I am a member, like-minded bitches drinking wine, a little bit risque, <laughs> where she was actually speaking the night before at one of the Melbourne events she'd flown down from Sydney and had a little bit of a cold. So you'll have to excuse a cough or a sniff every now and then, but I think she sounded kind of husky. <laughs> She's helping women everywhere connect and support each other on their business journey and have so many members who have actually founded their businesses based on the group or become each other's suppliers or mentors or just business colleagues. That night after the podcast, she actually went to another awards ceremony. I think it was the online retail Big Bash and ended up taking yet another gong to add to her incredible list. Literally, I looked it up on the website in the About Shopo section and there were too many awards to even read out in this bio. It is absolutely amazing. She is a total crack up and I hope you enjoy. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me in this Thanks beautiful for apartment. having me and welcome to our service apartment in Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> Jane is down from Sydney. We had a like of bitches drinking wine event last night mm -hmm. and what do you have tonight and tonight we've got the power retail all-star bash we oh. won an award last year so fingers crossed for tonight oh my gosh you're just kicking gold <laughs> so amazing i was looking at the your bio on the website and the about section and the awards take up like three pages oh i was scrolling God. for ages i was like what a girl boss such an overachiever no it's funny because like <laughs> i look at it and it's oh shit sorry guys i'm turning my phone on silent 
God, with a rookie. Um, but back at school, like I used to never win awards and I must have a chip on my shoulder that I'm trying over hard to comp- overcompensate now. So I don't know. <laughs> well, you're doing a really good job of that. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started, my first question is always what the most down-to-earth thing is about you because I think social media and the digital world creates a really glossy surface. Mm. Even when you're trying to be real, it's still hard to get to know the person behind the scenes, particularly when you're as successful as you. It can be really intimidating. So can you tell us something super relatable about you oh god I feel like I'm probably I feel like I'm completely unchanged so I am exactly the same like, as I you can't were. <laughs> even think of like it's almost like what do I do that's not that that is bougie I guess um <laughs> super relatable oh god I mean anyone who follows you knows you're super no, relatable like, but if, the you, same. if they don't if they haven't sort of gotten onto the show per bandwagon yet like I love free stuff still <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, so I always, always take goodie bags. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't know. I think I'll, I'll, I'll come up. But, yeah, um, come back to it. <laughs> so the first section is called Way to Yay, which is just telling the story of how you got to a life now that makes you yay. And I think it's mm-hmm. so easy to forget that everyone looks like an overnight success. It looks like life is super glamorous and kicking goals all the time. But I know it was a really long journey to get there. It definitely mm. wasn't overnight. But let's go back to the very beginning. So tell me about young Jane when you were at school. And wow. <laughs> How long do you have? How I long know. is this podcast? <laughs> because this is the bit that you find out such interesting stuff and I love to know whether people always knew they'd go into business or if they knew mm. they'd find their career. And some people know straight away. They're like, I'd known for 20 years what I wanted, whereas some people are like, I still am not really sure I'm yeah. still getting there <laughs> so you only came here when you were eight yeah right so I'm from Beijing China and my parents and I immigrated together when I was eight so like first day of school um this is why I mean there's so much to talk about but like first day of school <laughs> I couldn't even um couldn't speak any English so I couldn't go to the bathroom because I didn't know where it was and I'm not an idiot like it was an old one of those old schools that the toilet's on the outside there's no oh. sign and it's just like it's it's like one of the oldest kind of schools kind of thing. Um, yeah, and then so I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to pee myself on the first day of school and this is going to traumatise <laughs> me for life. And the only saving grace was the fact that, like, in Australia, school finishes at three and it finishes at five in China. So at the point that I thought I was about to break, the, store, school the, finished. the bell rang. So I'm like, oh, thank God. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty down to earth. And nearly wet your pants yes, story on day There one. you go. See, it'll, it'll come up as we go. <laughs> And so your mum was a banker in China, yeah. dad was an engineer. Oh, Very wow, new. you've done your research. Always, Great. always. Um, and did you kind of think that you would go into banking or engineering from yeah, their so influence? Or? Absolutely. I thought I was going to go down the corporate path for sure. Um, and like, so that whole finance side, because my parent, my mum's side, like her parents work in finance, so her brother's investment banker. So it just seems like that. And then my, I guess my mum's side's influence was a lot stronger. So mm-hmm. it just seems like that was a path I would go down. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like there was such, just like nothing else. Like you had like a, you know, being, I think being Chinese or an immigrant, or I'm sorry, like certain families, I guess, but it's just very common in an Asian family. <laughs> it's a family. stereotype for a reason. <laughs> yeah, it's just, exactly. Um, you have like a pre-selected a few options that you could choose from and it's like a lawyer doctor you know accountant finance so pharmacist pharmacist yeah and so (laughs) when I was in at school um you know and that's the thing you grow up so like we have this we have different it's different in Melbourne but in, in New South Wales 
um, in primary school for your last two years, you can get into like an opportunity class, and that's like a you oh. do an exam, and if you could, if you get in, you. It's just like they put all the nerds together, right? And then I didn't speak, so I didn't get into that because my English wasn't good enough. And I was like, and then my parents were like, okay, you're getting into a selective school, and so that's like the same thing for high school. And so I did get in, and then from there, you know, it's very competitive, it's very academic. Um, I luckily enough always had a focus on like you know being a bit more well-rounded. So I you know had a job, played sports, not well, you know. <laughs> Play piano, still very Asian. participation. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And um, and then you know from there it was like getting. It was all about getting to this like certain uni, a certain university with a certain degree, and then getting into a cadetship program, which is um, you go into one of the big four accounting firms. Oh no, sorry, there's other tiers, but yeah, the top tier. My parents <laughs> wanted me to go to the top tier. Um, and then that basically meant that you had a job from the age of 18 and you study part-time. And my parents' whole point of bringing me to Australia was to give me more opportunities and to, and for them that meant job security and financial security. So I had the, all of that at the age of 18. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I actually felt so accomplished and I was like, wow, I'm set Yes. I'm ready to climb the corporate ladder. Yay! <laughs> Cubicle life. Yeah. I was the same as you. I went to a, the a, um, Melbourne version of a selective entry uh, academic school at McRob. And same thing. Like you very much, it was like 90% Asian population and the choices were like medicine or law or, mm. you know, maybe vet science. But anything beyond that was like, whoa. Yeah. And same thing, got into law, did an internship. We, we call them, um, what do we call them? Oh, my gosh, I don't even remember what they're called. Oh, clerkships. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, clerkships. Same thing. Yeah. Like, graduated was like, yeah, I've got my job. I'm so secure. Yeah. I'm, I'm done. I can yeah. retire now. <laughs> and so when did your creative side or your kind of flair for business come out? Did you, you went into, I think it was EY? You yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I started KPMG and then... Um, thought that I would get it because this was during like the finance boom before the crash I guess (laughs) and so everyone was getting to investment banking you know they were talking about how Macquarie Bank is the millionaire factory and then so I wanted to get into corporate finance and then so went into went into that with Ernst & Young which is still like an accounting firm and then that's where I realized and that everyone talked about how like EY doing corporate finance and EY was like the sexy department (laughs) of an accounting firm and you know I soon learned that that such a thing just doesn't exist um and so there's nothing sexy about accounting um and then so anyway I started to really hate like question what I was doing kind of like started to hate accounting I was really bad at it um which you know, if you're bad at something, it makes you hate it more. Yeah. Um, so I never thought that I would be an entrepreneur. Like even in, do you have Young Achievers yes. at school? Yeah. So we had Young Achievers. I never, so Young Achievers is like a program where you start your own business with a, with a group in high school and then you try and sell like a magic wallet or something. Anyway, I never even got, I, I took zero interest in that. Yeah. And then I never even participated. Um, and so how I got interested in business was that yeah when I was at uni I met this guy oh I know so lame and I fell (laughs) madly in love with him he was from Europe he's Belgian and he came and talked all about traveling at this point I hadn't done any traveling um he talked about traveling and starting a business and then you know as so I dated him for two years and I decided manifesting my head and he grew to like oh my god I need to go traveling I need to well no at this point it was still like I need to go traveling 
business was just like, oh, yeah, that sounds like fun, but it's way too – it's not something – you know these things you th- you just think that's for the – those L- other the lucky people. few, the other people to yeah. do. Like I'm not, it's not for me. I've already got my sweet ass accounting job. Yeah, um, I'm set for life. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, but I was like, yeah, I'm going to go traveling. And then so I broke up with him <gasps> to go traveling. You went on exchange. I went on exchange to Sweden. Um, when I came back from Sweden, I just like, you know, you have, first of all, you have travel withdrawals. Mm-hmm. And then I just couldn't adjust back to like working in a cubicle. So at that time, this girl that I went to, I worked with at KPMG and we went to uni together. She came to me with this idea to run pop-up stores in underutilized locations. So basically like you have a bar that's like in a really popular area. So we had, we found this bar that was next to the main shopping mall, Pitt Street shopping center in, C- in the CBD in Sydney. And so on this, it's busy like during the week because you'll do lunch to corporates or after work drinks. And then, you know, it's Saturday night. It's like, it used to be a heating nightclub, not anymore. <laughs> but we would run our um, market stall there on Saturday during the day. So we would have cheap rent because we're bringing them traffic. And then it already had, the bar had a reputation. So it kind of gave us like a good brand. And then we were stocking merging designers, which was great because like they're, it was easy to get these supplies, like to get these supplies on board because yeah, they were new. up and coming. Anyway, and so that's how I even got into the fashion retail industry. It wasn't my idea. I didn't really believe in that, but you know, I just wanted to do something. Yeah, you know, I just wanted. I wanted to start. So I guess that's where I kind of learned my big important lesson that, you know, no matter how much you, how much hard work you put in. And how passionate you are about an idea, if the business model doesn't work, it's it just not going to work. Yeah. So that business failed. Um, and not like, I mean, my business partner told me, so my business partner, um, after after six months, convinced me to quit my job. Oh, so you quit your job during the first First business. business. Okay. Yeah. And so it wasn't just her, because it was like, I kind of used this as an excuse, because I just hated my job. Like, just, you just wanted, like, to, wanted get to quit. Yeah. Um, but then... A month after that, and I spent that whole month. I took a photo. I took photos of everything and built a website because I wanted to make, bring that business online. But then after that, my business partner decided she didn't want to do it anymore. And at that point, I didn't have the confidence to start a business by myself. So the business failed, like folded. Yeah. And then so all of a sudden, I found myself, despite at the age of eighteen, I had what I thought was everything, which is like the job that my parents parents always wanted for me <laughs> all of a sudden I found myself unemployed oh at 22 gosh. god it sounds young and it's just like oh my god it's not the end of the world but you know it's still four at the years time you it think was, you're old <laughs> yes you always do you always think your problems are massive at the time but it was four years after I thought I already accomplished everything all of a sudden I had I was unemployed I had a failed business against my name and I lost all the money I had earned at that point oh. And it was in the middle of the global financial crisis, so I couldn't get another job. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I literally hit rock bottom, and I just, like, it just felt like such a failure. I mean, and I think the thing about going to a selective school, that's just to also give context of how, like, you know, like, I feel like there's such a competitive nature. I grew up with this mentality, and it's so unhealthy, that I would, if I knew I, was, I could fail, I wouldn't try. And yeah. so now, like, I was just, like, so conservative and yeah. risk averse. And I just fell straight like head first into just dove into failure. And then I guess like the takeaway there is like I realized that failure is not that bad. Like, yeah. you know, it is embarrassing, but. 
It's a pride thing often more than it is an actual disaster. (laughs) Exactly. Before you have kids and before you have mortgages, like it's not as bad as you think. So I I was like, okay, I can try and get another job, but I was already so bad at my job before. What's going to change now? So I thought I'd give the business thing another go. And then at this point, the only skills I had were accounting and finance, which I knew I was was bad at, and then fashion (laughs) retail. And so I was like, okay, I can only start a business in fashion retail. So by default, that was what I had as an option. And so I kind of started a show pro out of necessity. Out of necessity, yes. (laughs) That is such a cool story. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So would you say that... You know, I think a lot of people who leave their jobs to start a business, it's the leaving of the job that's a really pivotal decision that's really overwhelming. But it seems like for you, it was you were ready. Like that wasn't the scary moment. The scary moment was this next stage where you were like, oh, the first idea failed. I think like exactly. I think to like be an entrepreneur, you kind of have to be a little bit naive absolutely, and then a bit more on the risky side. And I think the difference is so you've got really super smart people that are just like, they're never going to like take that risk because it just seems too risky, right? And mm. then they, and then because they're super smart, they've got a great job. They're killing it at their jobs. So they're not going to like just run away from it like, like I did. And then, so I think it's about like being naive and just overconfident in your own skills. Yeah. And I think then you've got the people who can't do it and there's, and the, I guess you've got to have the skills to back that. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also the mindset, it doesn't matter if you have the skills and you can't. And you don't believe in them enough yeah. to do it. Mm-hmm. So you started, I mean, you had a little bit of experience in fashion and retail, but not a huge amount of experience. Yeah, no, not at all. And that's the thing, like, you know, even when I was at, when I had part-time jobs, they were in, I worked at McDonald's and I worked at the bar. <laughs> great, data, training, yeah. great training, great <laughs> training. I did data processing. Like, you know, I never even went into retail, which is like what a lot of the girls love. Yeah. I had like I, you know, I hate shopping. Oh my god! And I hate yeah. <laughs> so it never like I'm like yeah. So it was never. I just I couldn't. I can't even believe that I'm doing what I'm doing now. But I guess it really shows that you don't need it necessarily need it because you just you just need to be a good problem solver. Yeah, you know, and so. And coming from a background and upbringing where it was kind of risk averse and going to a selective entry school, who helped you or how did you help yourself get through that risk averse nature to start Shropo at the beginning? Because that is a huge jump. And Mm. you at the time, this is one of the coolest things I've ever read, were pretending to your parents that you were going to work. (laughs) You'd still put your suit on and take your your laptop to work, but you weren't actually going to work. So with that amount of pressure on your shoulders, how did you get through those first days even let alone weeks and months of starting it well I think the fact that I was in such a shitty situation I kind of like had to yeah like I couldn't I felt like I was in my own movie where like you've just overcomplicated things and you've screwed everything up for yourself you're like (laughs) how do I get out of this mess I'm gonna have to do it um and so I didn't tell my parents because I was like if I did tell them every day you know they would ask me have you made it yet are you successful yet have you made money yet? So I was like, okay, I can't deal with that every day. Because the thing is, it's already hard enough um, to kind of motivate yourself and yeah. reassure yourself it's going to be okay. So to be able to back yourself and then have to like be questioned constantly by your parents. So I thought I'd like kill off that problem by like <laughs> lying to them. Um, and I've had years of practice of lying to them, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> but kind of went to – and the thing is at that point when I was studying – I mean, sorry, not – 
don't know what I'm saying. Drink more coffee, I'll like, wake up. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, so at that point, I didn't know any other business people. There wasn't like there, – there weren't podcasts and mm. books and business groups. I think, you know, the books back then were like Richard Branson. Like yeah. it's very like Not unattainable. Like, you know, I you can't be like the next Richard Branson. Like you Sorry, you can't, maybe I can't. But like, <laughs> baby, you're on the way there. Yeah, on the way there. But it's just like how, you know, I'm, it's very just like a aspirational book that, you know, it's not. It's not relatable. Yeah, so I didn't have anything to really turn to. I literally had one friend who had his own business. So I went and caught up. I caught up with him um, and I kind of think, I think I was trying to get a job from him so that I could, because I'm like, who else is going to hire me? Yeah. I feel like he's not affected by the GFC. And I thought that I could um, like learn a lot from him. Yeah. And also it's working. I knew that like working for a, a small business is a good way to climb your way up, you totally. know? And so I was like, maybe I could be his, I don't know, look after him. Anyway. So when I met up with him, he was like, oh, like, not very keen. He, but, he, <laughs> but he was like, no, you should meet this friend. I have this friend. She's great. She has her own business in fashion, very successful. But she wants to get into retail and online retail. You should talk to her. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I mean, I'll meet your friend. But I kept wanting to push more out of him. Because I just thought, you know, you meet people and you never know rarely. But I, and I was like, rarely you'd really get anything out of that. I wasn't very hopeful. Anyway, I met her and we just like headed off straight away. Like after like maybe the third time we met her, we had over a big boozy night of red wine. We decided to start Shopo together and then we came up with the idea oh and the gosh. name right there. And yeah, and so, so she kind of taught me everything I knew back then. So she had a lot of experience in fashion. Yeah. She's worked with on like retailers before and so she kind of like – so she's like – a genius and she's not in the business anymore but she her own business is still very successful and yeah so she told me everything she gave me the motivation and so at that point I kind of pulled myself a little bit away from my corporate friends because it was just like yeah I like already was like you know I kind of wanted to wait till no actually there were people who you know kind of weren't there for me and it kind of it's one of those times you realize who your real friends are uh, yeah absolutely. and so I was very lucky that I had her to help me get through it and then I started um joining a few going to a few like business events and that really helped finding like like-minded people and that's why I started segue into <laughs> that's why I started my business group um like-minded bitches drinking wine and so it's so we had an event last night that's why I'm a little bit hungover I'm a little bit dusty <laughs> but um so the whole point is just you know when you start you don't know like well you don't really know much so you want to you jump into this group and you ask questions and then immediately you've got like 50 women we've got a hundred thousand members I was gonna say it's not 50 women yeah <laughs> sorry but you've got like 50 people who would rush in and just like write a huge blurb from their experience like you know it's stuff that you can't google and it's just it's, it's so helpful and then at the events you know that I think because it's so boozy like it's very it's a lot less like a lot of network I've been to events before it's just really stiff you go in you hear someone talk you may talk to the person next to you but if you're shy people may not mm. whereas like at our events I feel like everyone like there's just like audience participation it's like a giant conversation everyone's like mingling and I I've met people who they're new to like a, a city their entire network group is from like-minded bitches yeah and then this woman who her whole business was started from like-minded bitches she got the idea whilst at an event and then and then she asked 
other people, like other girls at the events to help her like iterate her idea. And then all of her suppliers are other like-minded bitches. And now she sells to a lot of the major banks in Australia. She does, she makes like branded candy. So she she oh. do like um, St. George with a little like dragon logo, logo on it. On it. Oh, like it's amazing. That's amazing. So the whole thing is from like kind of issues. I can't take credit, but it's pretty cool. Oh, <laughs> it's so amazing. It's such an invaluable resource. I actually spoke at the Melbourne one, like not this one last mm, night, obviously, yeah. but the one a couple of weeks ago and have kept in touch with like 10 of the women there. That's so amazing. And they all connected with each other and are supplying each other's businesses. And then anytime you need anything, you just go on the Facebook group and plug in like, I need a graphic designer and like 50 people will come with recommendations. And you can actually follow posts. Like you just type F in the group and then if you want to like see what other people's replies mm. are, if that question is relevant to you too, it's just like the most amazing support network that's not competitive. It's not, it's like free. Yeah. Super interactive. It's such an amazing thing that it's you've created. So good. I've gotten so much. This is really cute. So like the group got to a point where it got a bit messy because it's just like everyone jumping in with their crap. And then when you get to like <laughs> almost hundred thousand, you can imagine what that's like. And then we got these like, moderators come in and volunteer and they keep everything in order so it's like so efficiently it's like a well-run like policing yes it's so good <laughs> but then so this the girl who was doing that the main moderator she came um she um moved back from the uk so i took her for a thank you lunch because she was in sydney and then she was just she came in she's like here's all the problems with the group right now here's and here's the solutions i'm like oh my god i love you i love people who are like solutions focused yes <laughs> um and so i was like wow you're amazing so what do you do and she's like i'm a merchandise planner i'm like we've been trying to hire a merchandise planner at Shopo for two months so and all so meant to be i just came back from um five weeks in the states on for work and she's already in the office working and she did the presentation i'm like this group is just amazing oh my gosh so it's just yeah oh that's incredible yeah oh, so i went on a amazing. tangent sorry no no, no great tangent i love it <laughs> so yeah i mean speaking of going from the very beginning of Shopo to starting this incredible business group and hiring merchandisers <laughs> your team is now enormous it started yes, 150 people now that's insane mm. your office looks amazing uh you got you know it's a global fashion empire that's like it's you ship to 80 countries 100 over 100 now oh my gosh yes. over 100 who even knows how many countries there are that's i know insane. the bottom ones are probably all fraud <laughs> <laughs> with over you've got over three and a half million followers now and mm. like taking 30 million a year it's just absolutely insane how much the business has grown in what like seven seven years is mm. it eight nearly eight, eight and a half Oh, oh, yeah. okay. Such incredible growth. I'm like a, I'm like a toddler. Because they're like, that's when you still count your half years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like 867 months. Yep, that's yeah. how <laughs> Um So, and you haven't taken on any investors in that time, no. which is, again, absolutely an incredible feat. So how did that scale up process go? Especially starting, I mean, I know you've had different business partners along the way that have come in and out. Now you've got Durka, who's your bestie, who's in the business, who's like yeah. your right-hand woman. You've got an amazing team around you. You were just in the States and in Europe for the last like five weeks, traveling all the time, speaking all the time. <laughs> and like the accolades are insane. Like Cosmo, businesswoman of the year. So many things. The business is online retailer of the year. Like I can't even list them. I can't, I know. I can't, I have to pinch myself. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what does it feel like? Like how, firstly, what was that process like from garage to huge office in Sydney and then what does it feel like along the way does it still feel real to you are you kind of like this is successful 
Or are you kind of oh, like, God, yes. got ages to go? You know, some people are like never happy with kind of where they get yeah, to. Yeah, no, but I, I'm like, I, you know, some people I like, don't want to be like, oh, they don't want to call themselves successful. But I'm like, if this isn't successful, like, I don't know. Like, what God, is? Like, <laughs> my standards on the high, I'm like, I, this is like surpassed like my wildest dreams. I can't oh. believe it. So, and even like, I've been, but I, I've been thinking this from like, Year one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, my original goals was just to make more than my salary mm-hmm. at EY so that that could justify not being there. Being there. And so I think even like at one point I thought, you know, even if everything failed now, this is like maybe in the second year, I would be able to get myself a job working in an online retail store. Yeah. And then I'm like at least doing what I love. And I've successfully been able to change my career like I've taken my career by my own hands and I managed to change it from accounting to something that's more fun than I enjoy. And that is an accomplishment in itself. So at that point I was like, you know, patting <laughs> myself on the back. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And so, and then like, just like great things just kept happening. I guess like it kind of like snowballed. And of course there were like bad things along the way, but mm. I feel like that's how, you know, it's being able to overcome those things. It's that's what kind of shapes the journey and how you are as a business person. And I think part of it is being able to overcome those tough times. Mm-hmm. And so I think I've just been really lucky to have met really great people along the way, like Durka and like our entire team. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I think that that's really helped my growth because I think, you know, initially the big growth, like the growth spurts have come from like initially social media yeah, um, and then realizing how powerful that was just to back that a lot more before in the early days before a lot of other people were doing it. And then I think, you know, it was building out, buying more inventory because, you know, you've got more stuff to sell, you're going to make more money and doing that well is part of it. And then meeting Durka, I guess, really helped because she's very, we're very different. She's more systems and process driven. Mm-hmm. And so she put in really good foundations that helped us scale for growth, but like in a very safe and sustainable way. Also Durka like cracked the Facebook advertising code so that we <laughs> kind of gave us a license to print money. And then we found, you know, I'm not gonna list all the things that happened, but I guess like, you know, I had a product, Amber, she had this amazing product vision that was like, well, uh, well, like beyond what I could ever be capable of. Yeah. And so, you know, finding her, like, you know, that's kind of paved the way for our growth. Just getting good people around you who can yeah, grow beyond your ability exactly. by yourself. Did you find recruitment really hard or did it happen organically? And did you find that letting go of control was hard or was it easy like how did that how did your role change as well over time and yeah were, were you okay with it or was it weird um yeah I think oh god I think there were definitely times when I questioned like you know I'm giving everyone else is doing all these things and what if I'm no longer needed yeah. I'm like I don't want to get kicked out of show pro and then I have to remind myself I don't have a boss no one can kick me out so whatever and I own it so. yeah I do have like sometimes I do get in my head about that but I'm like no 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 this is good like you want to get I'm not the best at anything so you kind of want to get other people who that is their like specialty get them to do all these things and I think part of like why I'm the lazy CEO is because I've realized (laughs) that the Chinese way of thinking is like you have to work hard the harder you work the more successful you are I mean of course it's about working hard and working smart I guess like being lazy is like a virtue by way of like being really good at delegating yeah finding really good people and so yes recruitment was really hard like I 
got lucky with Joker because we met at a party. I didn't even like her at first because she didn't <laughs> seem like she she's not a, she wasn't that friendly. When we met. I was like. I was like, she's got attitude. But anyway. Which is why you love her now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, but then, you know, even like, but then there's like, you meet people at different ways. So like Camille was through like one of the bitches, for mm-hmm. example. But Amber was very, we met in the most like boring black and white way because she came in through a recruiter. Yeah. You know, so. You just got to be open-minded to building a team. Exactly. However it turns out. Yeah. And I think like we made so many mistakes in hiring the wrong people and also just keeping the wrong people. And so I think that's an important lesson to learn. And like, you know, through that, we definitely made our mistakes. But you have to, I think the thing about recruitment is you have to learn it firsthand. Yeah. Even if someone tells you something, it's hard to... You've just got to learn your own kind of yeah. strategy. Because yeah. sometimes you're, you're really like, it's easy to fall in that, into that trap of like, it's like a real, I always say it's like a relationship, like meeting a guy, like, or a girl, sorry. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like, you're like, oh, like you see these problems, but you're just kind of like desperate at the start. So you, you're like... Just you, get someone in you, there. Yeah, you kind of like overlook it. You're like, it's fine. And then months later, you realize all the things that were your initial intuition had were true. Yeah. So and then yeah. you want to like hold on to something to make it work, but it's just better to. Yeah. Just yeah. Let it go. Yeah. Exactly. And how, do your parents? Your parents obviously know now. How did you break the news to them? <laughs> I like it took. <laughs> it took me like two years to actually break it to them. Oh my god. Yeah. They must be so proud now, though. Yeah, they are. They love it, but they still. I mean, now they're like, oh, when are you having kids? They're still. There's, there's always, always something. something. Yeah. <laughs> and my mom was like, she like she calls me with these ideas. She had a really dumb one recently, but for the business. Yeah. So oh, this is so this cute. is years ago. She's like, you know, when you get people's emails when they make a purchase, you should send them like your specials and sales. I'm like, thanks, mom. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> so oh my god, cute. you're a genius. Um, oh. But she, even when I told them, they're like, they couldn't believe it. But, oh. Yeah, I bought them a car <laughs> and I paid off their mortgage. <gasps> oh my gosh, so, Jane. Yeah. Oh, that's gold. And so my dad is so cute because, like, it was – I bought them a Beamer, but it was still, like, the, the cheapest Beamer you can get. <laughs> so it's, like, a 50K Beamer. It just – yeah, it's still a car. But um, it's, it's like, my dad was still, like, not driving it to work for months. And my mom calls me. He's like, can you come use your dad to drive the car to work? Cause I, and I didn't understand why. And then he's like, oh, I don't want to – he didn't want to seem bougie in front of, like, his colleagues. I'm like, Dad, it's like a – you can afford that car with your own salary. It's you've like been entry tri- level. You've had the same like Toyota for twenty years. Like oh. they're not gonna think you're flaunting your entry level FEMA. <laughs> just drive it oh, anyway. That's so cute. <laughs> Beautiful listeners, just letting you all know that I'm not just a foodie, I'm also a hair foodie. You may have seen that I've been working with one of my lifelong favorite brands, Garnier, and that natural beauty is a big priority for me. So this episode is brought to you by Garnier's Fructus Hair Food, which is 98% natural, vegan, and has no silicones, parabens, or artificial colorants. You can use it in three ways, as a conditioner, a hair mask, or a leave-in treatment to nourish and smooth those locks, leaving them luscious and healthy. There are four different Superfruit variations, so check it out at Garnier AU on Instagram for more info. And one thing I love about your approach to business is that you're not you don't shy away from injecting your own personal brand into it as well. So you've got the lazy CEO, which is your personal profile, as you mentioned. And I think that does 
like it's obviously separate to Shopo, but it ties in so nicely that you get to see all the behind the scenes. You get to see the people behind it. Everyone knows Durka before they meet her. (laughs) And you see that you have so much fun. You're not afraid to have fun. You don't take yourself too seriously. You've got these massive figures and systems and huge business, but then you also are having like an awesome time at Burning Man at the same time. And wearing Shopo as well. So you're like a walking example of your own brand. And I love recently you did a vlog, which was just addressing a lot of the problems that you'd had over Mm. I think it was Easter last year when there were a lot of sales and just like addressed your audience personally and took all the problems on head on and that's an amazing approach I think because it builds so much trust and loyalty and authenticity and was that on purpose or did your personal brand just kind of like happen by accident as everything else happened yes it happened it definitely happened by accident um I think it's just you know initially I think it's just, um, you know, we were trying to do fashion PR and business PR and, you know, because we were just retailing at the start, no one really wanted to write about a retail store because we didn't have unique products. We do now, like like half our, um, half the things we sell are like our own, are developed in-house and designed in-house. But at the start, you know, it's, we didn't have anything unique on a fashion in a fashion sense mm. to talk about. And so the startup story, you know, it's so funny at the time I was just, you know, going through all that crap and now it's such a unique selling point, I guess. Um, so the business story is what people were interested in. And I guess like I, you know, because we didn't really have, you know, any media training or a PR company yeah. kind of just went into it with like this, the way I, that I am, I, I guess like <laughs> this, this is it. just me and this is just what I went with. And, and you, it was just good because people resonated with that. And then I think the thing that we do with all our everything in business is like whatever has a good response that has a good response, you just do more of it. You know, yeah. like it's like if you on your insta you on your Instagram feed, you do a post that gets a lot of likes, you do more posts like that. You yeah. know, so it's kind of just how it just organically grew. And yeah, I guess <laughs> it's it's yeah. I don't know. People are like, how did you do it? I'm like, I don't know. Just, it just I just did it. <laughs> I feel very like I feel like an evil genius because I've had people. Like even yesterday, someone came. Someone came up to me and was like, "Thank you for being you." Like, oh wow, blah blah blah. And like, that is so good. Thank God because like I've somehow like, I, and I'm like there like drunk at this like event. And like, <laughs> and like, thank you. I'm like, oh, how did I get myself into a position where I can just be my drunk, loud, obnoxious self? And people are like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm an evil genius. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. (laughs) Great result. (laughs) And so I think having that really big personal profile and a really heavily social media promoted brand, it can create a really glamorous exterior. But also looking at what you get to do sometimes, there are, I'm sure, lots of glamorous moments in a big fashion online empire. But then I'm also sure that behind the scenes, you're not actually the lazy CEO and it does take a lot of hard work. So can you tell us some of the most glamorous, exciting, amazing things you've gotten to do along the way, but then also some of the least glamorous, nitty gritty things that people wouldn't expect that you also have to do? Yes. Okay. So now that we're in Melbourne, it reminded me of um, when I did a a collaboration with no, I was chosen to be one of Holden's ambassadors. So oh. they flew me to Melbourne and we did a two-day TV commercial shoot. I remember that. Yeah, it was so cool. And they um they had like a crew of like 50 people. They had um they police escorted us to and I'm like driving the car <laughs> and they had this it's an equip like a million dollar like equipment called a Russian arm to like I don't even know what it d- did, but like it was filming us driving along a bridge. And there was a police convoy. Oh and it was like so gosh. cool. And 
yeah and then we did this whole like walking out of the car i don't know it's like it just felt really hollywood (laughs) it feels glamorous but you know it's what tv extras do so it's like i guess it's not whatever it was really cool um like just even like going to award things winning awards going traveling for work and then the best thing is like you know a lot of people are like serial entrepreneurs they're like excited about the next thing that they can do mm-hmm. for me like i feel like it's only as trepo grows and i'm doing bigger and more exciting things yeah so but you're the, growing with the same with, business rather yes than, i love that and the unglamorous side um, I think it's like the thing that's really unglamorous is like if you ever go to like a photo shoot or video shoot and you're like you're doing intern tasks you have to go and run around and do doing different open things. boxes and it's really long <laughs> hours and then you're the models look glamorous but you look like oh like a mess god I think just like even just traveling for work it's like it comes with this like really because I'm like I've hacked the point system so then I get like Amazing. business class flights and first class flights I don't even have to pay for them but um so that's glamorous but then you know also when you do have to pay for them you got to you got to get those like red eye flights yeah. <laughs> if I pay for them it's economy yeah <laughs> and then you're just like it's really long hours you got to go from the flights onto the next thing and so it's really I think it's the fact that it, it really ebbs and flows I think it's the drastic nature of like one minute super glamorous and next you're like <laughs> yep in the right. um, eating but, macas like yeah. on the couch at four in the morning after a flight like yes exactly <laughs> And, and then also, sorry, like even like what's funny is like until like last year um, when we got our CFO, I was still doing all of the accounting, which I think is like, the, I'm like, how did I work this hard to still be doing accounting? So that's like for me felt like the. I did not well, know that. Yeah. Well, I was. Because we your fiance is your CFO, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, so oh, we have a sweet. CFO. We have a, a C- assistant accountant now. We're hiring a financial controller. So we're about to have three finance people in the company. Really exciting. That's amazing. But also great that you don't have to do it anymore. Yes. <laughs> and one thing I think about fast fashion that a lot of people do end up asking is about how you if you have like a corporate social responsibility element to the business. And I know you donate some of the samples that are worn. Is no, that right? Yeah, so we um, run these sample sales every year and then everything that we sell, every so every dollar that we make, we donate to charity. Oh, so we, I think awesome. we've like donated over 100,000 <gasps> over the Whoa. last years. But, and then we want to we do other, we want to do more and be more involved as well. Yeah, oh, that's so, amazing. Yeah. So good to have a conscious arm to what you're doing. So the next segment is called an ATA, which is dishing up the dirt on all the stuff that happens that isn't so goal orientated, that's not that gets in the way of your happiness along the way, which is inevitable, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like business is such a an emotional roller coaster. There's things that hit you that are like the GFC, that's funding, there's staff issues, business partnerships fall out. And self-doubt for me is a really big one that I talk about a lot because I think that's the one at the very beginning that stops people taking risks mm-hmm. like you did and finding a life that's so much better that you could never could have imagined at the time. So what are some of the biggest challenges to your happiness that have happened over the journey, even from the very beginning? So obviously family pressure um, and the fact that your whole business and essence is so digitally focused, do you feel pressured to like be creating content all the time and you know all that stuff um yeah I think when the first I guess the initial stages were I think your biggest fear is like the business will fail Mm. (laughs) so we got to a point where we were making $22,000 a month which was like when I was like wow this is great and then it got back down to $5,000 Whoa. So that's like two online orders a day. And so I was like, oh my God, I just, I got a little excited. Yeah. And now I'm like, to five. yeah. And so that was like, 
a huge fear that everything was going to fall apart. And that was when that my business partner exited the business. Like her, her own business was going so growing so much, and like we were just like, yeah, yeah, like there was just no point. But then, like when she when she exited, and it's honestly, I think the reason why it because we went from then from five thousand to nine thousand to forty to seventy five to hundred forty, so it went to like <sighs> hundred forty thousand in like the space of five months. And but and the reason. The reason it did that wasn't because she left. She, it's because I was only answering to myself. So I was able to take risks faster, make decisions faster. Like we were doing a million things at once. People would always say, oh, what did you do? Mm. The thing is we did so many things at once. And so if you ever want to, you know, if you have the time in a small business, you want to do things one at a time so, so you, you can, can see, see what, what really works. works. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't have like the luxury of time. So I did everything. But the thing is like, because I was able to, I was doing stuff, you kind of like, so I started running Google ads and then you could kind of see, feel like it was working. So I just kept doing more of it. And then you, I think it's just like not being afraid to experiment make mistakes and experiment and yeah. take risks because you're only like answering to yourself. Mm. Um, and so that's, and just like, yes. And, and I think just like I went into this like fight or flight mode because at this point, if that business failed, then I, the first business failure would be on me. Yeah. And then it would be like, you know, because Chopra was like a sinking ship. Like once my business partner exited, it's like I, I would be the person driving it into failure. So yeah. I just had to. I feel I like just, you're driven by like, like emergency situations. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm like that person that cramps for. Exams. exams yeah <laughs> and did you have self-doubt when it did become your ship completely like did you sort of worry about inexperience or did you worry about you know funding and not having investors and where did you turn to learn all the things that you needed to experiment with um god what did I do no I think I wasn't um I think it's like the good thing about like having an online business is like you can kind of like see what's working, what's not. So like a lot of it was social media. Mm. And so you can see that you're getting more engagement, what's working, what's not. And then even with like Google and Facebook ads, you can kind of like, you have to trust their like um, insights and analytics, but you can kind of see what's working and not. So, and at this point we weren't doing anything else. And so, and then you were, I was going into like suppliers and like buy, physically buying all the stock, like picking up all the stuff so you can, and then, you know, the inventory was sitting there in my parents' garage. So I could see <laughs> what was working, what, was, what didn't. Like, I remember like we didn't, put, didn't have to put anything on sale for so long because like it was, it was really good smart selling. buying decisions yeah. and then not, yeah. And so I think at the early stages, it's, it's almost like, it's, it's just like easier because the business wasn't very complex. Yeah. So. And your risks are smaller when you're yeah. dealing with smaller stock and smaller mm. decisions. And the great thing, the fact that it's online retail, like it's just you get the money straight away to reinvest. Yeah. So that's how like I just kept reinvesting money that I made. And what about, so um, obviously your finance background probably helped you with the basic fundamentals of like mm. understanding those things. But did you find you were out of your depths at any time? Yeah. I mean, the thing is the things that I study, I always say the things that I study didn't didn't feel like they helped but that's but I think probably like just because like I remember when Alex started and she's like we realized that we didn't have workers compensation for the first like year (laughs) or something she was like oh Jane like how do you not know you studied 
like business. I'm like, yeah, but we're learning about like balance, trial balances and accounting and finance was about like venture capital and like yeah not exactly hedging <laughs> like you know like I, it doesn't it didn't it wasn't like directly applicable but then I have to think then there's people who are studying like I guess it at least gets you into like that mindset yeah totally I guess <laughs> so then on the flip side if you were sort of in the trenches and not really worrying too much about self-doubt and just trying to you know actually keep going was burnout then a challenge that hit you while you were trying to get the business back on the ground and then build a team and manage every role by yourself? Um, I don't know. I don't think I ever felt burnt out. Like the only times I feel like... amazing. No, I... Well, I've like always had a really good work-life balance. Oh, that's... You are so refreshing in that regard because most business people don't have boundaries at the start. (laughs) So I was like pretty reckless in my like... In our third month. So basically when we were like doing business was failing doing poorly I think that's when I felt burnt out and then I like recklessly booked this trip to go with friends to go to the ultra music festival <laughs> um and then in, in Miami and because at that point we had two sales a day and I was like well my business partner can just send those I've been sending all of them up until this point and then the business we were doing $75,000 in March so I was like I was telling my friends like I'm not going on this trip there's no way my business is growing and I got like peer pressured into going so I was like <laughs> I have a very rubbery arm. And that was actually really good because it made me hire my first office employee. And it made me put in systems and processes. And it taught me like such an important lesson because when I came back, I realized, you know, I learned that even though some mistakes were made, the business didn't break. And now like I could keep her working the business and then start like I wasn't, I, I didn't have to do customer emails anymore. I didn't have to package. I mean, I still always did at some point, but I, that wasn't my, your main my responsibility anymore. And so I came back to a business that was like, had systems for growth. It gave me this like reassurance, like, you know, you can have fun. Yeah. You can have, you know, so, and the thing is I'm very lucky because I don't really need to sleep that much. So I like <laughs> always, you know, I would still go out three or four times a week Oh my god! Yeah, and then you and animal. Then, but then, if <laughs> I was to stay at work at this point, so at that time, my boyfriend was an investment banker, so he was working. He wouldn't have been there anyway. Yeah, like, so he would work till midnight. I would work till midnight, and he would come and pick me up, and we would like so then. So I would either be working till midnight, or I'd be going out past midnight. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I would just always be on, and then I would just sleep. So because the thing is, I don't need to be sitting home watching. Like I don't know. I'm just like, I have a lot of energy, I guess. So I was very lucky. Funny story is like, I used to work, our first offices on top of a gentleman's club. Oh my God, no way. Yeah, Minx. And so, <laughs> and then Shopo back there was, and I only wear Shopo because I don't like to pay retail. Um, and I hate shopping. So I'd rather just pick clothes from what we have. And Shopo was like probably a bit skankier back then, if I could say that. Um, and so I would wear my own clothes. My boyfriend would come, pick me up in the suit, downstairs in a taxi. And I would like, you know, come downstairs, say goodbye to the bouncer because I'm not rude. Um, and and say bye. just be like, I'd she works ask, there. Yeah, and I'm like, if anyone hears that Jane's starting to do well and they question what I'm really doing yeah. and they see me come down, oh, God. I'm dancing on a pole yeah. is what I'm doing. <laughs> doing a great job at it. Yeah, <laughs> it's my one true passion. Yeah. <laughs> and have you ever found being a female entrepreneur that that's ever been, you know, I mean, your business took off really a long time before this women in business support networks have been in place I mean mm. you put one of them in place so <laughs> did you ever find that a challenge in the business environment um, or? no I'm very lucky I think if you were to look for an investor I think that's when it's really hard yeah. I feel like the one time I felt it 
to be somewhat of a hindrance was when I was going for an award. Okay. And then there was a panel. And then, you know, they were older, more male-dominated. And I'm trying to explain how social media works. Yeah. And it's different now because if I was to go into a room, because because we've had achieved a le- certain level of success, if I was to talk about social media and they didn't get it, I would get the benefit of the doubt. But at that point, I didn't have that. Yeah, to back you up. Exactly. And so that was like, I, that was the first time I ever felt it. But I honestly am so lucky because I think it kind of works in my favor because I can play the Asian card and the female <laughs> card. Yeah. And so... And I, I'm going to do that because, you know, it's not a hindrance. But if anything, like, you know, I've had to work that – I've had that against me growing up. Yeah. And now that I can use it, like, why the hell not? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you just have such a good attitude <laughs> to business. And I also love that the NATA hasn't been a huge thing for you. Like, it hasn't just been wallowing in self-doubt or, like, mm. you know, of course there's been challenges along the way, but it doesn't feel like – a lot holds you back from just getting on with it. Yeah, and I think um, I'm very optimistic. I can maybe even be too optimistic. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if there's such a thing. <laughs> so the very last section is called Play TA, which is my favourite section because that's where we drop all the stuff about work and achievement and I think, you know, we ask people – I actually did this experiment at the Like Minded Bitches yes. event where you don't ask people what they do you have to ask them who they are first because we define everyone by their output and their achievements and by where they fit in the working world. But that's like not meant to be the sum of our existence. I think we're meant to have personalities outside that. And when you run your own business and you have a personal brand that's linked to it, I mean, I'm the same. It's very hard to separate yourself from that and find what you like that's not related to that. I personally need like a full day a week where I'm not kind of thinking about matcha or tea related things or the cafe or the podcast. Do you, it seems like you have so much energy. Do you ever do anything that's not related to work? Um, yes. I watch a lot of TV. Oh, good. And Netflix. I love to yes. hear that. What so, are your shows? Um, well, I've just finished, finished watching You, oh. which is really – it's not really like my type of genre. Okay. But I – and I, but because I, I like reality TV shows. Do you? So it, I'm really excited to have come back from overseas because you can't watch – like, you can't stream them. Yeah, yeah. so maths, I'm coming are you back. A math girl? I'm maths frustrates me, but <laughs> I am. I'm gonna. I do watch it. Um, I I'm, I love The Bachelor. Oh yeah, yep. everything like everything I relate back to The Bachelor. So like, even like at the networking events, I'm like, oh, I feel like The Bachelor because everyone's like, can I steal you for a minute? I'm like, yes, I'm The Bachelor. <laughs> I even had a Christmas party. I'll, Last Christmas party was bachelor themed. No, oh, two years ago. Yeah, I remember that one yeah. actually. <laughs> and I was the bachelor. <laughs> um, and I was taking all of my girls and boys on like these epic group dates. So. Oh my god! That's and everyone so got cute. roses. Their Christmas present Yay. came on a rose because so we had the rose ceremony. <laughs> Um, anyway, so, so I'm such a loser. No, I love how you inject so much fun into the business. It's like, what? There's no like rules or yeah, whatever. That's like, why not? There's no rules. And that's what I love. It's such an exciting time. I'm like getting excited talking about this, just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, like, me too. You don't have to do things a certain way. I think Alex is like part of like how I got into that mentality. She's like, and she will always say, but do we have to do that? Like she always questions everything. And now I like, even, you know, with like my wedding coming up, I'm like, well, do we need this? I, like we've just decided yesterday. I'm like, I don't really want a wedding ring. So we're just going to pop this one oh. back in a box and just like use the <laughs> And put it back on again. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I can't be bothered looking for it. Else. You know, like yeah. just like things like you don't have to do things. Anyway, I love like redefining like convention. Anyway, I went to the tangent. So t- I love, you know, everyone says I love hanging out with friends, but I'm a very sociable 
social person. I'm yeah. an extrovert. Like I just like being around people. And as a only child, I feel like I just surrounding I, I'm yourself a with yes. people. So yeah. my friends mean a lot to me, and I love drinking. So I think I'm either like drinking with friends. Or watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally it. And so normally I'll like have like, and I'm a bit, bit of a night out. So I have a huge night. And then Sunday, like I don't move from the couch. Yep. I literally like order everything like Uber Eats. Yeah. And like, I'm really gross. I'll order like a <laughs> big, I'll order something huge. I'll order like four meals at the start of the day. And I'll just slowly eat away at it, even when it's like dry and cold. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I don't have to get up from the couch. Well, you need you need to cancel out the rest of your week. Exactly. Like you work really hard. You're a CEO, babe. Yeah. You need whatever That's works. the unglamorous. You should see me on a Sunday in my trackies. <laughs> That's my day too, yeah. where I'm just like, I'm not showering, I'm not moving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> only Netflix, but I'm more of a crime TV show girl. Oh, what's Can't do reality, but just crime. What's the good? What's, oh. oh, The Jinx. I've heard that's good. Oh. I'm, I was, I'm watching The Blacklist at the moment. A new season mm. came out. What else have I been watching? The Fall line of I love TV. CSI Miami. I know that's old yes. school. No, no, I love CSI. All the Law and Orders. <laughs> like I own all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you find working with your fiancé now and your best friend? How do, you, how do you maintain the bits that aren't related to work? Mm. Is that hard? Um, yeah, really good. I feel like – and the thing is I'm having a bride tribe, so I'm having seven <gasps> girls in it wow. and four of them are – at Showpo. Oh. And like, the thing is, they weren't friends before Showpo. Like, we met at work. Oh, that's and so, so lovely. And I think it's great because I've got the balance of, like, there are the – I also have no, – like, my boyfriend, fiancé, he's always like, you know, do you have any friends that you – do you have any friends that you're not paying to be your friend? I'm like, oh. <laughs> you're like, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I think it's, like, really – I think when you have good people, it's it just comes really easily. Yeah. They're all so passionate about what they do and about – Showpo, it's never been a problem and yeah, i know and awesome. i'm not being naive because like dirk has been there for like six and a half years yeah you've had enough time to see yeah, if to it's know. gonna be hard or not yeah exactly <laughs> i mean but the thing is my fiance has only been working for six months yeah it's been good i mean he is he needs more practice in switching off I, like oh, okay. and the thing is like even because he used to work in investment banking private equity and then he worked at uber and he used to just talk about uber so much which is like great that he's <laughs> excited like but you know socially because in our social group we're always like uber 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 like stop talking about uber <laughs> <laughs> and now he's like, I literally have to be like, okay, stop talking about work. Like yeah. he, and I just like say that and he gets it. Because I that's that's what's kept me saying. Like I can just switch off and just be like, let's not talk about work. And just and like, just, yeah. yeah. That's really good. It's such an important skill. And I feel like it takes most people a while to get there. Yeah. But once you do, it's not it's not as hard to have balance. Once you do, it's like, God, stop talking about work. It's yeah, boring. I know. <laughs> do you do any workout or exercise? Yeah, so I go to F45. Oh, same. Yeah, it's good. I can't believe I've been like, I mean, when I think it's consistent, I haven't gone this year. <laughs> but <laughs> but when, you go occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> but like when I do, but, you know, I've always had membership, gym memberships. And I just never, you know, I've had gym memberships that I've gone for like three weeks and then just let the whole year expire. Yeah. So it's been, I've been pretty good. I've yeah. had three years in a row. Everyone's like, oh, how do you stay so fit? Like, thank you. Yeah, I know. Also, That's literally why I was like, how are you like still in shape? Because I work my butt off. Yeah. <laughs> also Asian jeans. So. Yeah, I know. I say that too. I'm like, they're like, you eat so much. I'm like, I work out. <laughs> and I'm Asian. So I'm actually 85. You just don't know that I'm yeah. 85. <laughs> but like I've got it's, – it's, it is genetics because like my, my mum's side's a bit bigger. 
Sorry. <laughs> but my dad's side are just like they're very they're they're all very small. Yeah. So yeah. I've got <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so second last question is the three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in these kinds of interviews. Ah okay. what are three either pet peeves, allergies, party tricks. Oh my god! Oh, I don't know. Okay, I, I was normally like my deep, my go-to is like, oh, my fiance is <laughs> our CFO. Our CFO. But okay, that's um, why I ask it last because yeah. then people are like, oh, I've already said everything. Like, everything. Well, you yeah, have to find three list. more things. Oh, god. Okay, give me give me some topics, and I'll like. Try okay, and- um, like oh. Yeah, like pet peeves. Like, do you hate anything oh. that people do? I'm like slow walkers. Oh, like I the hate slow walkers. I hate bad drivers. Okay. I'm like a vigilante. You're an Asian girl. Like, yeah. Let's be real. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm really, I'm really good. Good driver. I'm a really good, confident driver. I and then just like cyclists who don't respect road rules. I'm like, you gotta, <laughs> pick, you can't pick and choose. You either respect road rules. Or, but and, you know when I cycle overseas, I don't respect road rules. But in, si- in Sydney, you have to be—you'll die. You're I'm either like, a pedestrian or a vehicle. Like, yeah, choose which one? Don't do both. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and also, and the thing is, I'm sorry because so many listeners probably do 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 have this. I hate like like long fake nails, and like so many oh. of my friends do. It's just like you can't do. Yes. <laughs> And it just, sorry, I'm like, she's like having an actual physical breakdown about it. I love it. So, this is why this question is so interesting because you always find out stuff that you're like, wow. Yeah, like I don't get it. And I know the like, like all the influencers and the Kardashians and Jonas have it, but like, it's just, and then when people do that, they start doing the whole clap, they they clap to the (laughs) every word with their palm, with their like hands out. (laughs) Kelly, Kelly from work who's also in my ride tribe and in all of our videos, she has it. And I'm just like, oh. Have you vetoed it for the wedding? Are you like... No, no, it's fine. I don't really... I'm just... (laughs) When are you getting married? In October. Oh, my God, same. Oh, where are you doing it? Uh, What kind of beach? What kind of beach? What kind of wedding? I'm not doing it at the beach. I'm the wife. I was like... (laughs) (laughs) So our hashtag is a matcha made in heaven. Because oh. so corny. Oh my god! Pretty punny, pretty corny. Doing it in Melbourne on the weekend of our ten year anniversary. <gasps> We're ten years too. No way! Well, not anniversary. Ten years in May, and oh. then so oh my god. Oh, that's how did sweet. you ask me? Okay, we're gonna wrap it up. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Dirk okay. just popped yeah. out of the room. She's like, "All right, yeah." <laughs> I love Dirk. She's she's like the that's one who's like on the she's ball. She's great. Yeah. All right. So very last question. Since I love motivation, sorry, I, so I, I think gave you two. Sorry, guys. But you said wedding. You said wedding day. Mm-hmm. Ten yes, years. Exactly. No one. Yes. No one actually haven't. No one else knows yet. Oh well, there you go. Yes. Not even the guests don't even know. I haven't sent out my save the day. Oh, no, neither have I. I'm no, like, we should do that. <laughs> I'm going to launch this as exclusive <laughs> wedding yeah. interview. <laughs> um, yeah. So since I love motivational quotes so much, what is your favorite motivational quote? It is more wine, less wine, which works better if you were to read it. Oh, yeah. W-H-I-N. Yes. Perfect. That's such a good one. I actually feel like that's been this whole conversation. You've yeah. just been like fun and happy and joy and what makes you happy, but not complaining or whining. Yeah, just or... be optimistic, be about more about solutions focus. And then keep drinking. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, beautiful. Hopefully we will keep in touch over wedding planning. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Jane absolutely fascinates me. I think she's so different, particularly for me being in the wellness world. I love that she's just not about it. She's like, I love drinking. My networking group is called Like Minded Bitches, drinking wine. I love people who do something different and are unafraid to celebrate it. And she's one of the best at encouraging and empowering 
inspiring other women to do the same. As always, I will share links to her page and show post so you can check out their range in the show notes. And please do take a screenshot and tag both of us to let us know what you thought. And of course, subscribe if you haven't done so already. You may have seen that the quote of the day flip books are back in stock. We did pre-sale first, but they are now shipping as usual. So you can head to spoonfulofsarah.com book if you want to get your hands on one of the, again, limited numbers that are flying out the door. Hope you're having an amazing day and a seizing your yay.